continue in worship today. Uh, we are always reminded of being good stewards and allowing God to use us and to uh, use the, the gifts that He has given us um, and given us the courage, hopefully, to use those for Him and to give back to Him uh, through, through many different ways and uh, through obviously our financial resources, but so much more than that. And, and I just encourage you to be good stewards with all that you have. And uh, again, thanks to Donnie. Donnie, I, I combined y'all. Y'all are now Donnie. Donna and, and Tully. Uh, they, yeah, and uh, we're, we're incorporating and they're going to be joining us more and more. Um, if we're real nice, if you're real nice to Tully, he may actually bring the big bass out one of these days. You know, he's uh, <laughs> But I really appreciate them, and, and uh, it's neat to see what God, God is doing through, through that. Um, and uh, Molly already mentioned anniversary stuff, so I guess I have to say something, right? I mean, I got to say that, that it, it is a, a happy anniversary. And, and I also won the wife lottery because, frankly, for the vast majority of our married life, she has made more money than I have. So I have won the lottery. <laughs> See, isn't, isn't that meaningful? Love it. <laughs> it's the lottery. It's, it's, it's the lottery. <laughs> oh, goodness. So uh, I, last week we sang uh, a song that uh, used the, the line, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Um, and that's, that's always been one of my favorite scriptures. And so that just got me thinking about that scripture. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I think it, it, that's never a bad one uh, to go to. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 uh, to, today. Uh, Philippians is, is a, a great letter that really talks about joy, finding joy. Um, but really it's about the perspective and the foundation that you have to have in order to be able to be joyful uh, as life kind of falls apart around you, right? And I, as, I, as I read the, the, these verses, and you know how all of us have experienced this, that the Scripture speaks to you in different ways, right? Depending on how God is, is moving, which a lot of times uh, is in regard to what's going on in your life, right? Um, and, and how uh, circumstances have changed and how things in society have changed. And sometimes you read things and they speak to you in a different way. Um, and as I was reading through this, I, I, it really spoke to me in a, in a different way in that, you know, we, we better be establishing our foundation. <laughs> and uh, and, and if, if, if you aren't already there, you better get there pretty quickly. Because I think we're, we're going to be experiencing a lot of societal turmoil. We already are. And I, I don't think it's going to get better right away. I think it can. Um, but there's, it, it's gonna, it's kind of a, a weird place, right? And I think most people are, are feeling that. And, and so you, you have to establish that foundation. And, you know, I, I think back to, uh, the story of Joseph. If you remember Joseph, uh, he was sold into slavery, uh, by his brothers, um, which, you know, what a wonderful, uh, family reunion that, that would, uh, <laughs> create later down the road. And, uh, and he gets, ends up in Egypt. Uh, but then he uh, starts rising through the ranks, but then gets thrown in prison for something that he didn't do. All of this stuff are things that he didn't deserve, and he's dealing with all of this. And then finally his brothers do come back, and they are reunited. And one of the things that Joseph said is, what you intended, 
uh, for evil, God used for good, right? And, and, uh, and of course, Joseph is saying that at the, at the end of the story, right? And so as he's looking back and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm sitting in a nice, nice house. I'm kind of everything has worked out. It's a little easier to say it from that point, right? Um, now, I believe that Joseph had that perspective all through, or he would have thrown in the towel at some point, right? But the point is, is for us to have that perspective of, okay, the world meant this for evil, but God means it for good, we better have that as our foundational understanding of who God is and who we are in relation to God. And if you try to start working on that, when you're in the midst of being sold into slavery, <laughs> or you try to start establishing that foundation uh, when the hurricane is blowing, like you, you don't go build your house when the hurricane's blowing. Right? That's not a good time. It's going to be really difficult. You better, you've got to get it done beforehand. Right? And, and I know that all of us, we all have little storms going on in our life. But we have to constantly work on making sure we're establishing that foundation. Uh, because as, as life comes at us, um, it, it, can, it can shake that foundation. And when, as I was reading Philippians chapter 1, uh, we're going to be starting in uh, verse 12. Um, what, what you really see is you see Paul here as someone who he's already established that foundational understanding of God. He, he already had that going in, that God is going to, somehow, God is going to be, bring good out of this situation, right? He's, and it's just, you can, as you read it, you just feel that that's just part of who he is. He, he's beyond even questioning it now. It's just like, no, this is going, this is going to work out. And and that's a it's a it's a hard place to be, and you're never going to be there fully, right? You you are going to struggle, but I, I do think it is vital for us to really establish that foundational understanding. And so, starting in uh, Philippians chapter one, verse twelve, says, "Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard." And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some priests preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains." But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now let's stop there. So if you can't tell through that writing, Paul is writing this in, in prison, in chains, not able to go and do what he has been called to do. Right? And, and as, as you read that, I think it's, it's important because again, Paul's perspective is so positive on this of, that he's just using this and he's thinking, okay, God's going to use this to proclaim the gospel in, in some other way. Then sometimes we can diminish 
the severity of what he's going through, right? And what he would have had to be dealing with. And, and it's, it's always easy for us to say, yeah, that's, that's easy for someone else to say, but they don't know what I'm going through, right? We always like this comparison game. Well, you know what? All of us go through really tough storms, you know? And, and, uh, and, and the reality is, is you can have this type of perspective no matter how bad your storm is and no matter how bad it gets. And, and Paul is going through a storm where he is now in prison. So that's bad enough, right? I mean, I, I think most of us would say serving time in prison. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of all who have done that. Um, but but that's, that was not a pleasant experience, right? Uh, you know, you're being confined. You're losing your freedom. That on its own would be really frustrating, especially when you haven't really done anything wrong. <laughs> especially when it's just because of your viewpoint. I won't go off on a tangent. <laughs> especially when it's because of your viewpoint. I, think about that. Think about just sharing your idea that actually is the reason you're sharing it is because you love the people that you're sharing it with and you want what's best for them. Right? Like the, the sole reason that you're doing this is to benefit other people. It's not to benefit you. Right? Now there may be benefits that come with it, but that's not the reason. Because you wouldn't be doing what Paul was doing, except that he felt truly called to this. So, you know, looking at it from a secular point of view, right, whether it's true or not, he believed that it was true. Right? And he believed that the message that he was sharing was something that God had commanded him to do, and it was something that was bringing good news to people. He says in there that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached. That's the good news of Christ. Okay, so now he is in prison because he wants to help people, <laughs> and he said so. I, I don't know about you, but I would be very angry <laughs> sitting in that cell can you imagine the bitterness that could start to, to come over you? Here I am, just trying to help people, and they throw me in prison. So your bitterness would go to the people. You're like, you morons, I'm giving you this good news, and you throw me in prison, right? That would be an easy path to go. But then a very easy path from that is like, God, you called me to do this, and now I'm sitting here in chains. Right? Those are the normal human responses. And I promise you, Paul had those feelings. Okay? Let's not pretend he's a superhuman. Okay? He's not. Right? He would have had those feelings. And you know what? He may have vented about it to his poor cellmate who said, send me to the gallows, because he's tired of hearing <laughs> Paul talk to him. Right? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine being Paul's cellmate. He would have had those feelings. There's nothing wrong. That doesn't mean that your faith is weak, right? But he does not allow those feelings to define who he is and how he engages in the circumstance, right? He moves past that because he replaces those feelings with the truth that God works for good 
in the face of what society is trying to do evil. Right? He, he replaces feelings with the truth of who God is and what God has called him to do. That is vital to establishing a foundation that will help us weather the storms of the society around us. That we replace those natural human feelings, that we replace them with the truth of who God is. Right? So Paul has, has lost that. He's, he's also he's lost his way of, of doing life. Right? He traveled from town to town to town. It's gone. So think of the storms in your life. They probably fit something in there, right? Where where you're not able to to do the things that you feel that you have been called to do, that you feel passionately about, and that for whatever reason, you can't do it. And they may be unjust reasons. It is important not to allow your feelings that come from that to start defining how you're engaged in the world around you. You have to replace those feelings with the truth of who God is, and it changes your perspective. And so then Paul starts looking at everything, and he's finding ways to say, no, see how God is still working? And he's kind of he's searching. So he, he talks about, hey, Christ is still being preached. And then he, ta- he breaks it down. He said, you know, there's, there's pastors out there who now are using this as an example to be able to uh, preach the cause of Christ, and they're doing it for the right reasons, in the right ways. And then he says, and then there's those who are kind of doing it for their own reasons. And it was interesting, I was reading uh, N.T. Wright as a uh, theologian, and, uh, and, and he, was, he was saying, you know, the way that there's a few different ways you can translate that and try to figure out who that group of people was. Sometimes it's just, we think, oh, well, that's the rival, you know, that's the that's the pastor of the Baptist church over there, right? That, that is, is now using this as an opportunity to, to maybe slander this church here. But, uh, you know, and, and he's saying, so even if that's the case, hey, at least they're talking about Jesus. They're saying Paul was thrown in prison. Why? Because he was preaching about Jesus, right? And so at least that is being said. But then he also said, he said, it's not actually just talking about preachers. It's talking about people who wanted Paul put in prison. What are they talking about now? They're talking about, and they're excited about how they put Paul in prison. And then they have to explain why they put Paul in prison. And so they have to share what his message was, even in a mocking way. Because they would have to share to people. People would ask, well, what did he say to get thrown in prison? And they would say, he was so stupid that he said this guy named Jesus is God's son and that he came down and lived and then went to the cross and then uh, rose again. Isn't that stupid? But even that is actually proclaiming truth. Right? In a very weird way. And I promise you, that God has spoken through things like that. That God speaks through things like that. And so Paul is basically saying, you know what, I'm in a horrible situation, and so I'm going to obviously tell my jailers about it, which, again, that they would, that'd be a horrible job, being a jailer to Paul, hearing him talk all the time. And, and they, they were being, hearing the words of Christ, 
but he knew that it was going on around him as well. And he was like, so here's this ridiculous, tough situation, but look at what God is doing, and he's choosing to look at those times. Mind you, he's still in prison, and he still has no clue when he's getting out. So then he kind of establishes that foundational truth that Christ is preached, uh, and because of this, I rejoice. Right? It, it doesn't matter what else, because that's the foundational principle. And then he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect. And so if you stopped right there, most of us think he's sure that he's going to be released. right? Because we hear deliverance. Someone's in jail. Oh, that means he's going to be released, right? That's, that's not. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So now... We actually, we actually see Paul kind of start wrestling with the reality, <laughs> right? That, uh, that he, he recognizes, you know, I, I want to be delivered, and I, I hope and I think that's going to happen, but it may not. And so death is, is a reality. And by the way, it's a reality for all of us, right? And, and so, so Paul, his foundational understanding goes to that foundational place of life and death. Uh, it's, it's not the, the, oh, I could lose my money, I could lose my friends, I could lose my family. No, it goes to, I can, can lose my life. How, do, how am I going to view that with the foundational principle of God working for the good, even in the midst of evil? And he says, well, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So that even death becomes a gain because he knows that he will be with the Lord. And then he kind of has that little aside and he says, hmm, you know what? It'd be a lot easier if that just happened. Then I wouldn't have to worry about this. <laughs> but then he says, no, that's not, I'm not going to get stuck there, which is important. It's important for us to have that understanding. And there's those days that and especially in, in hospice and talking to, to people, and uh, you, you find this that there are people that kind of get stuck, that they're just, they're like, just take me now. I'm, yeah. I'm so done. Right? And there's some good that comes with that because they're confident of where they're going. But if you get stuck there, then it, it can become kind of just miserable. So now you're kind of just living in this in between, between life and death. And Paul, he kind of is in that in-between for a minute. And then he says, but no, I'm going to approach life as if I'm going to be living. Right? Because, and then I'm just going to move in that direction. And then whenever I'm dead, great. 
because I, now I'm with Christ. Right? That is a, a powerful foundational understanding. Right? And, and it is one that we can have. That you can have that foundation that gives you strength, that gives you joy, that provides peace as you're going through the most difficult situations of life. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have the emotions that hit from those circumstances. But you have to constantly be replacing those emotions with the truth of who God is and start changing your perspective and start looking for the ways that God is doing good. And that's getting harder and harder. I, I, I understand it. Because society around us, not only is, are there more kind of uh, crooked things going on, but it also does a lot better job of hiding all the good things that are going on. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't talk about those. And so we have to be diligent. And we cannot get caught to where we're at that point that we're either, okay, I'm giving up on this faith stuff because it's not working, or we're at the point where our faith is still strong, but we're like, you know what? It's just time for me to go and be with the Lord. Because guess what? You're not there yet. So God has something for you right now. Then Paul goes on. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Ooh, that's a, a powerful one. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Right? That's a powerful thing. Again, you start reading through scripture and you, you start hearing things different. Scripture reminds us over and over and over that you're going to struggle. There's struggles in this world that there is persecution in this world, that it is a challenge, right? And the, the reality is it's a challenge no matter what. But especially as someone who's trying to live up to the cause of Christ, it's going to be hard. But what does Paul write? He says, no matter what the circumstances, to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? How, how many of us our temptation is to use our circumstances to justify maybe ungodly behavior. To use our circumstances to justify our anger. To use what's going on in the world to justify the bitterness that we hold. And if we're, if we're not careful, all of a sudden we're, we realize, you know what, I'm, I'm not living a life worthy of the cause of Christ. And see, whenever we do live our life that way, in some ways it makes it worse because society sees that and it condemns society. And so they lash back at it. But what it's actually proclaiming is that, no, no, the world's way is going to be destroyed. <laughs> mm. 
God's way will prevail. And when we live a life worthy of the cause of Christ in the face of the storms that we go through, that is what we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming victory. And people don't like to, be, to know that they're being defeated. Right? The world, Satan doesn't like it whenever you proclaim that he's defeated. And when you live a life worthy of the cause of Christ, no matter what your circumstances are, that's what you're doing. And it may lead to difficult times. But I promise you, it's worth living that way. Not just because God has called you to do it, but it's the best way to live. I want to live in victory. But to do that, we have to have that foundational understanding of who God is, that God is a God who works for the good in the face of the evil around us. And you can't wait till you're sitting in prison to start figuring that out. (laughs) You need to start working on that now. And I encourage you, to do that, to, to, through going through the scriptures that we're doing, uh, through listening to messages, through your own personal reading, man, hold on to those promises of Christ. And when you start to feel overwhelmed from the emotions that come as you're dealing with circumstances, go back to the truth. Go back to the truth of what Christ has, has given us. Look at the people that from... David, to Joseph, to all the disciples, to Paul. Look at how they engaged life. They had multiple challenges, but they always maintained their faith in God, and it gave them strength, and they lived as victors, even in the face of defeat. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear God, I thank you. Thank you that you are a God who gives us victory. I thank you that because of you and because of what you have done for us, we can confidently say that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Lord, I pray that you will encourage each one of us and give us the courage to have that foundational hope. Lord, we thank you for dying for us so that we can live for you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.